The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for this week's Know Your Foe episode. Got a great guest for you, Nick Kendall. How you doing, Nick? I, you know what? I'm doing better than my Broncos are, so uh, I can't complain <laughs> too much. Uh, things are going pretty well. I'm out here in Seattle, so it's a double whammy for me, uh, getting to see the Broncos pick climb higher and higher for the uh, the local Seahawks. But you know what? Oh, otherwise, pretty darn good. Yeah, sometimes I, f- I feel that same way about the Ravens, and particularly with the, with the loss last year. But uh, tell folks, first of all, where they can find you on Twitter, where you do your writing and other work. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick Kendall, M-H-H. That's K-E-N-D-E-L-L uh, for the audio format there. And uh, I work at Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of uh, Sports Illustrated, and uh, do live streams on YouTube for Mile High Huddle, a lot of podcasts as well. So most of my dabbling is in the audio format, but I do do some writing as well. Okay. Outstanding, Nick. We're glad to have you. Uh, need to say thanks to our sponsor here. That's Liquid Death, the water that will murder your thirst. 
please give their product a try. They've been good to us, and they're uh, very green in terms of recyclable aluminum cans. Really appreciate that about them. Good flavors as well you'll stay for. Uh, let's take, jump right in on the Broncos here in terms of their biggest offseason move, obviously, uh, the acquisition of Russell Wilson. But tell us about the others as well, uh, starting perhaps with Wilson. Yeah, the Broncos traded a lot of draft capital and two starters from last year's team and Noah Fant and Shelby Harris uh, to bring in Russell Wilson as the starting quarterback. And things have gone off the rails pretty darn quickly uh, here in the Mile High City. Unfortunately, uh, the Broncos also brought in some offensive linemen, but pretty much everybody has gotten hurt on the offensive line that they've brought in, unfortunately. So and the, on the defensive side of the ball, I think that's where the the biggest impact move they've made so far this season has been in uh, DJ Jones on the defensive line. He's been a really, really solid interior defensive lineman for them. Unfortunately, the other Broncos' biggest move this offseason probably was bringing in edge rusher Randy Gregory, the supremely talented pass rusher, played for the Cowboys for a number of years out of uh, University of Nebraska, and he's been injured as well. So this is a probably, I think the Broncos have the most salary cap on the injured reserve in the NFL so far this season on top of a team that seems to be struggling schematically personnel wise, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why right now they look like they're going to be sending the fourth overall pick uh, to the Seahawks if the season ended today. Yeah. Difficult year, obviously uh, talk about their draft a little bit in terms of who they picked up and who they have to look forward to over the next few years. Yeah. So the, a lot of people were really excited about the Broncos general manager, George Payton, when they first brought him in. Obviously, the Nathaniel Hackett hired head coach, the Russell Wilson trade and the Russell Wilson contract have soured things a bit, but he had a pretty darn good uh, 2021 draft. This is a draft that you can build a team on. You need to stack drafts, obviously. Ravens fans know that as much as anybody, uh, but Patrick Sertan at nine overall, he's been and a little bit of a cold spell the last couple of weeks against Devontae Adams and DJ Moore. Granted, the defenses started to seem to regress somewhat as well with that. But Patrick Sertan looks like a future all-pro level cornerback, only 22 years old. Uh, he's been phenomenal. The Broncos traded up for Javonta Williams, another guy that's been injured. Uh, he looked like an emerging star uh, running back, and he's been out for the year. So hopefully he'll get back. He tore two ligaments in his knee, though, so that's always a little bit concerning. And then then the third round in the 2021 draft, the Broncos ended up drafting the likes of Quinn Miners, who will be the Broncos mm -hmm. starting right guard out of Wisconsin Whitewater, small school guy, but a lot of personality, really fun player to follow and a really good athlete for the position. Still kind of working on the technique, given the the jump up in competition from Whitewater to uh, the NFL. Yeah, I lo loved uh, Miners. And he's one of the only small school guys picked in that draft right after the covid uh, situation. Yeah. But, but he, he also has some similarities to Tyler Lindebaum here in Baltimore and that he's a guy who's a much better run blocker than pass blocker. Correct. Yeah, that is correct. His is more of a technique side of things. Like Quinn Miners has a massive wingspan. He's a big guy on where Tyler Linderbaum is a little bit more limited due yep. to size limitations and length limitations. And you're talking to a I love my Broncos, but I'm an Iowa Hawkeye first and foremost. So I know my, you know, Marshall Yonda, Tyler Linderbaum and the, uh, the Iowa line there to uh, the, the Ravens offensive line there. But uh, Broncos also took a talking big 10 here, another player in the third round uh, in the 2021 draft. that has been really was promising and then had an injury and has been working back from injury, but that's Baron Browning from Ohio state. They had him kind of in no man's land there at Ohio state. Cause he was playing that off ball stack linebacker spot, but really his athletic profile always screamed edge to me and they moved him to edge this offseason. He's been really good there. Um, when he's been healthy the last couple of weeks working off of a hip injury have not been as 
impactful, uh, but he's been really good out there, and he's going to have to step up because, again, Randy Gregory's hurt. The Broncos traded Bradley Chubb and uh, the draft pick from this last cycle in um, Nick Benito out of Oklahoma, 64th overall pick, has been has flashed in pass rush, but has been really, really poor in setting the edge against the run. Uh, same with, was an issue at Oklahoma as well, but it's been it's been a major weakness on the defense since they've traded Chubb. Now, it's funny because Benito was a guy I, I, I recall they talking about being able to be moved inside a lot, being a guy who could could you know play a a three maybe on or or certainly a five on a passing down. Has that have the Broncos tried to use him in that role at all, or just as an outside pass rush guy? Oh no, he's not at all. Uh, I don't think he has the frame. He's like two forty pounds uh, ish. I think there were some uh, instances at Oklahoma with uh, Grinch as their. I think that's the name of the defensive coordinator there at Oklahoma now at USC, where they did a lot of slanting stuff and in rundowns they'd actually play Benito at uh, like stack linebacker and then on pass downs bring him down in different gaps or whatnot to rush the passer. So he's having issues uh, holding up at the point of attack and setting the edge, and that's become a much bigger issue on this defense for the Broncos considering Randy Gregory's out uh, Baron Baron Browning's been dealing with injury they traded Chubb and uh, the other addressers they have in Jacob Martin and Jonathan Cooper have been dinged up as well so the Benito's had a lot of reps where he's had to play on first and second down and it's it's been a struggle but if you get him in third and long or whatever his bend and his get off are pretty darn good it's good to see a trial by fire occurring. That's one thing you really want with young young players is to actually get them in there during year one. And the Ravens yep. have had some difficulty, you know, with their guys this year, particularly Jabo and Kolar coming back from from injuries. I've, I've yet to see the field uh, so far. Uh, I, I, I'm a big believer in fail forward mm-hmm. in, in your first year. You know, if you if even if you get on the field for 150 snaps, but you learn something from that and you take it in next year, that's a that's a big win developmentally for that player. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the other players on this rookie class that have been stepping up and having pretty prominent roles uh, on this team have been uh, Greg Dulcich, tight end out of UCLA, taken in the third round. He's been, he, he was pretty good early on. He missed most of OTAs in the offseason, and tight ends historically take, you know, three years really to hit the ground running because it's such a complicated position um, from college to the NFL for most of these guys, but he's been pretty impactful uh, pretty quickly for the Broncos. So that's been good to see, obviously limited because of the passing in general in Denver is limited right now. He does have to work on his uh, run blocking as well, but he's, he's been above expectation, probably the only single player on the Broncos offense that has exceeded expectations this season for me. And then the best Broncos rookie uh, so far this season has probably been fourth round pick Damari Mathis. Uh, he did have a really rough intro game week five against the Chargers, where I think he had like four pass interferences called against him. But since then, he's been really good. Uh, he doesn't always rely on his technique and be a little grabby, but he has the mentality where, you know, short term memory, he's going to compete at the catch point every time. A very physical uh, player there coming out of University of Pittsburgh. So those have been the main guys. Obviously, the Broncos traded a lot of draft capital to get uh, Russell Wilson. So they didn't have a lot of top picks in this last class, but uh, those are the big three, I think from this class that you will see in this game. All right. Outstanding. I know this is not a pleasant topic, but the long run cap situation in Denver uh, talk a little bit. I, I, one thing I keep seeing on Twitter is, is people asking, is there even a feasible way to get out of the Russell Wilson contract? I think I know the answer, but tell us about it a little bit. It's certainly complicated uh, given the way the contract is set up, but there are ways where you can eat a lot of dead cap to move on from Russell Wilson. Uh, I don't think it's feasible to do after this season, uh, given how the cap would set up for the Broncos, but by using the 
June post June 1st designation, they can split that cap hit over two seasons. They can even split it over three seasons if they restructure some of the signing bonuses. So if the offense is still this poor next season, if Russell Wilson is still this poor after the 2023 season, it's possible you would take it on the chin, certainly with, you know, about $40 million dead cap hit over two seasons each. But we've seen teams with a much higher propensity to do that over recent history. I mean, the Rams have done it recently. The uh, Falcons have done it recently with their big high-end quarterbacks. It's not a situation anybody in Denver wants to be in. But if it's still this poor, uh, it's certainly something to consider. And now there's even more and more rumors coming out of uh, fractions in uh, the Broncos locker room between Russell Wilson and some of the players. So it's possible. So we've, we've seen some of this about about defensive players coming over to him. And I forget who it was exactly, but I mean, you could tell the story in terms of, of uh, you know, let's let's get going. And Russell Wilson does the right thing, doesn't throw his yeah. teammate under the bus when he goes to the podium. Yeah, it's Mike Purcell had a somewhat boneheaded personal uh, foul penalty after a PAT attempt uh, from the Carolina Panthers in the last game. And don't know exactly what was said, but Mark, Mike Purcell definitely – came over and yelled in Russell Wilson's direction. Uh, They said that it was, they were Russell Wilson and Mike Purcell both said that Purcell stated that let's go. And Russell Wilson's like, yeah, I got you. We're going to pick it up. We got you. Uh, But who knows? Uh, It's definitely a, not a great situation right now. I mean, Russell Wilson has his own trainers in there. He has his own personal quarterback coach. He has his own office on the second floor. He's not in the locker room that much and he's playing poorly. So there's definitely some frustration that is, boiling uh in denver and with the contract situation how they're married to him and especially without the draft capital it's going to be interesting to follow unfortunate for me but interesting for the nfl landscape at large uh, to follow going forward here that's very interesting i didn't know about the kind of the ceo office that wilson yeah. had I, I think that's always a bad thing to take a player the, out of the out of the way if you're going to have a quarterback's office which you know oftentimes there's just the quarterback room they talked about Tom Brady having it is really his office at Gillette you know but i believe that was on the same floor with the locker room or at least on the same floor with the with the with the other team facilities there yeah so, uh, yeah if you're a great quarterback i don't really have an issue with that uh but when you are playing as poor as Russell Wilson did, is right now then privileges probably got to be somewhat revoked can you put that genie back in the bottle i don't know uh but they got to figure out something this offseason and i having the too many cooks in the kitchen with his own personal coach and everything in there versus, you know, the contrasting voice of his quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, whatever it is, it's not working right now. So they're going to have to figure something out. Does he have an off season guru he goes to that is, that is also a guy who hangs around the team during the season. Yep. Yeah. And he has his own like medical staff and whatnot. And also his (laughs) wife and kids are allowed to come in there. I mean, they pretty much, you know, gave him free reign in Denver and uh, it's, it's really ugly right now. Yeah, this just reminds me a little bit. I don't know if you remember the pitcher Kevin Brown from the mid '90s. He was with the Orioles. Mm-hmm. He signed. He signed with the L.A. Uh, Dodgers, I believe, and they gave him a you know you, the biggest contract in, in baseball at the time, plus a personal jet to use to bring mm-hmm. his family around to games all the time. I was like, this is this is out of line here. All right, let's move on to the offense here. Talk about Wilson himself. How is he a different quarterback this year than he was in Seattle? I think that well, a his athleticism has taken a big step downwards. Uh, his burst, his agility have all diminished somewhat now. Some of that could be age. It was Russell Wilson's birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Russell Wilson, 34 years old. And uh, a lot of his play in Seattle was dependent on out-of-structure uh, ability to escape the pocket and create out-of-structure and then hit big plays down the field. This season so far, now he has had a hamstring injury. He's had a lat injury as well. But even before that, he looked a little bit 
slower in escaping the pocket and into taking those that space available to him when it's there, when the pocket breaks down. Uh, before, we used to see him, you know, be a slippery little guy and run quickly away from defensive linemen and linebackers kind of, you know, step with step with him. But this season, defensive linemen have been closing in on him and he hasn't been able to get out of structure so much. And that was only exacerbated by the hamstring injury. Uh, another issue, I think it's more of a schematic issue in the way the league is going right now. Uh, we can all blame former Denver Broncos head coach Vic Fangio for this, but points across the NFL are at an, not an all time low, but 10, 15 year low, low this yeah. year, uh, relative low because of how teams are playing defense uh, right now. A lot of two high safety shells, a lot of cover six, a lot of cover four, a lot of cover two, or even the pre-snap uh, look. And then they rotate a safety down into a cover one or cover three look. And Russell Wilson, Historically, if you've ever seen heat maps of him or how he attacks the field, he doesn't use the middle of the field. He's really relied on outside the hash marks vertically. And with the more too deep split safety shells, mm -hmm. those big passes are being taken away uh, systematically across the league. And because Russell Wilson struggles in the quick game, he always has because he's not working the middle of the field. He always has avoided that area. Um, those issues are even more amplified. Uh, on this team and in the current landscape of the NFL. So it's a, it's a big issue uh, for the Broncos and we're gonna have to see how they uh, strategically counter that. It's an interesting description of Wilson because I think of him and Lamar Jackson in a lot of ways being very similar quarterbacks, but Lamar Jackson doesn't throw outside the numbers nearly as much. Mm -hmm. He's a, he's a middle of the field guy, uh, despite the fact that he has some other characteristics. I wonder though, if, if in looking at Lamar Jackson's contract situation and how Russell Wilson has aged, and it has been kind of an all-at-once thing with the Broncos this year. He'd been a great quarterback the last four years, obviously part of the reason he was signed for so much. Is is there a cautionary tale there for the Ravens in terms of how far they should be willing to go with Jackson? I think that with Jackson, you do need to give yourself the ability to get out of the contract. I think that's the biggest thing with this Russell Wilson one is with an athletic quarterback that's super dependent on the athleticism, you are always one hit or age away from the, the play style and what works falling off the map. And uh, that could be an issue with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is obviously significantly younger and plays the game different. Like, like you mentioned, I think one of the biggest issues with Russell Wilson's inability to throw the middle of the field is he can't see, uh, he can't see over the line of scrimmage. So he's avoiding that area. Most of his throws that are short are behind the line of scrimmage horizontally. So uh, I think it's a little bit different. I would not be as, trepidatious with paying uh, Lamar Jackson, given his age, you know, he's not going to be 33, 34 years old where the quarterbacks who have been older that have worked at that age uh, are the ones who are the cerebral super pocket dependent passers that work the quick pass game that the, even the run game isn't as important with those guys. Cause they can es essentially run through the air. Mm -hmm. uh, so with Lamar Jackson, I think the first, this first contract, as long as you can give yourself the ability to get out of something does happen, I wouldn't be too concerned, but the contract after this one, I would be skeptical. Mm -hmm. uh, understood. It's uh, so third contract for a quarterback, second contract for a running back, kind of yeah. similar for, for a running quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's move on here. Talk about the offensive line and take us through position by position, kind of what's happened and, and where they are now. Uh, well, the Broncos are on. They lost their left tackle for the season. Uh, he suffered an injury, Garrett Bowles. So they've been working in Calvin Anderson out there, who is was their fourth string offensive tackle this season. He's okay uh out there he's i guess as good as you could hope for an offensive tackling most teams don't even have two starting quality uh starting caliber offensive tackles so the fact the broncos are on their fourth slash fifth out there at left tackle is not great but he's not a massive 
issue. Uh, they've had left guard Dalton Reisner out there all season. He was, I think, the 42nd overall pick in the 2019 draft. He's been fine. He's better in pass protection than the run game. Broncos have had major issues moving uh, the ball through the, the the run game this season due to offensive line personnel. Dalton Reisner, he's a free agent at the end of the year. He'll probably be let walk. Uh, he's fine, but he's not really much of a difference maker. He's kind of a league average player at guard. They have Graham Glasgow at center. Uh, he is the second string center because your starting center got hurt, isn't out and is out for the year. In Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, he was struggling. Actually, I think Glasgow's been better there. Uh, the issue with Glasgow is that he's 6'6 at center, and you talk about Russell Wilson not being able to see over the line of scrimmage. 6'6 <laughs> center does not help with that, but he's at least he doesn't get blown back into Russell Wilson's lap, which is a benefit as well. I had a friend who's a big Lloyd Cushenberry fan, and and I loved him for for multiple reasons. But I didn't think he was a first round draft pick in terms of of length, and in particular being one of the one of the nice factors. But what's what's really been wrong with him in terms of adjusting to the NFL? He seems like a really cerebral player, but he does not have much agility. Uh, so with, uh, reach blocks have been out of the question, and Denver's tried to move to a more outside zone scheme this season, but you're not seeing anything where Cushionberry where is getting outside of his own little box there or uh, double teaming and reaching the second level. Also, he he's getting pushed back in the lap of the quarterback pretty often. His anchor strength is not up there as well. So the Broncos, I think are going to look to move on from him uh, as a starter this upcoming season. Maybe they can see, they can salvage a little bit of value from him. If he can take some guard snaps as well as a versatile backup, but uh, he's not progressed like they had hoped and uh, definitely been a, a, a lesser player on the offensive line this season. Well, I, I, I really appreciate the, the, the Frank look at him, but, uh, uh, that is uh, really too bad to hear. And they, they did it, only draft him in the third round, I see. For some yeah. reason, I know a lot of people had him in the first round, at the end of the first round, kind of being that guy. But uh, that's they, they, the Broncos thought, probably thought they had a real value in round three, getting him there. Yeah, and I mean, as a rookie contract player, you kind of hope that, you know, year one for a center especially takes, takes a little bit. But mm-hmm. we're on year three now, and he hasn't improved at all. And if you're looking to be an impact run running blocking team, which the Broncos probably do have to be to maximize Russell Wilson going forward. Uh, Cushionberry doesn't seem to be that kind of guy. Uh, he's much more solid in pass protection, but not really a plus player in the ground game. And with Russell Wilson specifically need, you need to be able to anchor at the point of attack. And he just gets pushed back uh, too often against nose guards. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, you know, obviously we're seeing that in Baltimore. That is the weakness of Tyler Linderbaum in terms of getting to the NFL. And people ask me pretty much every week, you know, how much of this is this is reversible? I score offensive line play here every mm-hmm. and score every block. And one of the questions is, you know, c- can he really come back from this? And he's so good in space, so good moving it around. Um, that's not the problem at all. Um, it's just not as valuable as being an inline blocker, particularly as a as a passer. You, just, you cannot. St- you know, continue to make excuses for a guy who's getting beaten by half of the nose tackles in the league, you know, in terms of getting push. Yeah. No, Cushionberry's issue is uh, we can do a trade if you want. We'll take the <laughs> bomb in Denver, but uh, it'd be an issue with the pass game. But I think Denver's going to have to lean hard into the run game to maximize Russell Wilson and become a very play action centric team, somewhat similar to what we're seeing right now with Arthur Smith and the Falcons. Uh, the rest of the offensive line, Quinn Miners looks like an ascending player. I've been impressed with him uh, out there. I don't think he's. He's probably closer to average than above average, but I'd expect him to be that much better next season. He had a injury and he missed, I think, six games this season earlier in the year as well. So, I mean, this is going to be a constant theme. Oh, they're injured there. They're injured there. Uh, kind of like how the Ravens were last year. That's how Denver feels this mm-hmm. season, uh, unfortunately. And then uh, 
right tackle. It was originally supposed to be Billy Turner. He missed most of the beginning of the season and he played, I think two and a half weeks and then got injured and is out for the year. Now Uh, they signed Tom Compton, who I think has had two snaps this season to be the other right tackle. Uh, He hasn't played. And then they signed before the season due to all the injuries before the season even started. Uh, They signed Cameron Fleming, who has been solid. He's playing at about 75% right now. He has an injury as well. He's had some tough matchups the last few weeks. Uh, He got beat by Max Crosby a couple times against the Raiders. He got beat by Brian Burns. Uh, Part of that is because Russell Wilson's not stepping up in the pocket because probably, again, can't see or can't escape. Uh, But Cam Fleming, I think, has actually been by now, you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used Liquid Death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of Liquid Death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down Liquid Death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take Liquid Death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around to your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take Liquid Death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. Go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find Liquid Death retailers near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. Much better than anticipated there at right tackle and one of their better offensive linemen, but he is playing hurt right now. All right. Yeah. Like, uh, like everybody, as you mentioned, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> really. Is. I, I appreciate the empathy for the 2021 Ravens too. It's uh, it won't do us any good, but, uh, but yeah. at least we understand each other. Uh, take us through the wide receiver core right now in terms of who they have. Well, you might see two of the Broncos top three or top four, I guess, uh, wide receivers back this week. The Broncos the last couple of weeks have been without, uh, both of their 2020 draft picks, 20, 2020 draft picks, first round and second round in Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Both those guys should help the offense a lot. Uh, Jerry Judy is your man coverage key uh, in the the Broncos offense. He's the only one who can separate consistently versus man coverage. And he's still a phenomenal route runner. Uh, Not always the best in contested situations, not always the most physical player. But if you are playing man coverage against the Broncos, that's probably where the ball is going to end up going because he is very good at getting separation. So hopefully he's going to be back. He suffered an ankle injury and has missed the last two games. Uh, KJ Hamler is their big play threat. We talk about Russell Wilson kind of being a boomer bust quarterback. KJ Hamler's had, I think, three or four 40 plus yard catches this season and has only played like half the games because of a hamstring issue. So if he's back, he should help the Broncos offense at least do one of the only things they've been good at this season, which is the explosive play. Uh, so watch for those two back. They're both injured right now, so we'll see. Um, but injury reports to watch going forward. Cortland Sutton has been fine for the Broncos this season. He's been actually one of the few people that's been healthy. Uh, the Broncos toss it up to him a lot, and uh, they get a lot of pass interferences down the field. Actually, that's another area the Broncos have been great this year. Number one in the NFL in yards gained off of pass interference. So I guess hooray for being number one there. But uh, Cortland Sutton down the field, he's not really a – burner in terms of speed but his stride length creates a lot of space vertically uh he's had some issues with drops this season 
it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Russell Wilson hasn't been the best with catchable target rate, but no doubt Sutton's drops on that. He should have had, he's probably their most reliable wide receiver, uh, but not been wide receiver one level that you'd hoped. And the Broncos also another injury. Uh, Tim Patrick suffered a serious ACL injury before the season started. I think Tim Patrick started his career with the Ravens, if I'm mistaken yes. on the practice, practice squad out there. Yep. Uh, yeah. He was, he was going to be a huge player from them this season. One of the more underrated receivers in the NFL, in my opinion, and also probably one of the few energy players on this Broncos offense as well. I mean, he is a tenacious blocker, uh, very physical, you know, will get out of opposing players, brought an edge to this offense that they just do not have. So a uh, very injured offensive line. Other than that, you have a bunch of honestly undrafted free agent types that are going to be playing uh, wide receiver. Brandon Johnson caught his first touchdown pass of his career. He was fine in preseason, got hurt, came back. Uh, you have Jalen Virgil from Appalachian state who has a one big cut catch, more of a special teams kind of guy. And then uh, also you have, Kendall Hinton, who was the quarterback for the Broncos in that COVID game. If you guys recall, all the Broncos quarterbacks were out because of COVID protocol and they put the wide receiver at quarterback in Kendall Hinton. They also do have a fifth round rookie gadget kind of player in Montreal, Washington, uh, but he's been disappointing so far this season. Uh, again, fifth round pick, but they drafted him to be a special teams guy, a punt returner and his decision-making his ball security and the, the punt game has been poor. You may complain about the injuries in the in terms of the Denver wide receivers, but in the desert that is the wide receiver room of the Baltimore Ravens, that really sounds like the biggest oasis I've ever heard of in terms of the the, the set of quality receivers that is is there in Denver, whether injured or not. So yeah. uh, I, I know it hasn't been exactly what you what you wanted this year. Uh, move on to the running back. Talk through us the the position the players there. To start the season, the Broncos had Javonta Williams, the Broncos had Melvin Gordon, the Broncos had Mike Boone. All of those guys are now out and injured or released. Melvin Gordon fumbled the ball, I believe it was five times this season, and it got to the point where enough is enough, so he's out. Javonta Williams has been a major uh, loss for this team. Honestly, you've heard me talk about it already. The two high safety shells in the uh, the league right now that are taking root, uh, the Broncos need to figure out how to dictate teams into more cover one and cover three uh, looks. And without Javonta Williams, that's been exceedingly hard. Uh, so he got injured in the the Ravens or the Raiders game. Godspeed. They need him next year. He tore, I think his ACL and his LCL. Uh, so hopefully he'll be back next year. There wasn't a as significant of a type of tear. So there's some hope there, but we'll see. And also the Broncos traded for Chase Edmonds uh, from the Dolphins. He was more of a cap throw in to work that Bradley Chubb trade in, uh, but he played, 10 snaps and then injured his an uh, ankle and has been out for the season or probably out for the season. He might come back to close the season. So now this running back room is essentially a bunch of guys that they signed off different teams, practice squads. Uh, it's Latavius Murray, who I believe Ugh. Raven, you know him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His running style is very similar to a rugby scrum. It's kind of how I view it, where it's just like, I'm a giant guy and I'm going to push the pile forward. Uh, he did have an explosive run last week, which was the Broncos' best run of the season. Uh, but he's been their best running back since Javante Williams got hurt. I guess other than the Mike Boone game against the Jets, he was pretty good there. They also have another practice squad running back they brought in in Marlon Mack, uh, who has been not very good for them uh, either, but an outside zone kind of guy. So uh, this running back room, I mean, it's crazy what it looked like to start the season to where it is at now. Uh, obviously not what you uh, what you want there. And, uh, you know, I think the Ravens have done a good job of picking up the guys off another team's practice squad that are ours or ones. You know, rookies are first year players who don't yet have any 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 service and finding guys who are great schematic fits over the past few years. 
But all of a sudden, these last few years, they went to these five of these, you know, aging veteran guys, including Latavius Murray, and uh, that really has not worked out for the team. So, uh, you know, they've, they they need to find other people. It's, it complicates it a little bit. I don't know how much uh, Denver uses the mesh point to, to run its offense, but... Not that much. Uh, okay. Not a lot right now. They're not really using Russell Wilson as a runner. Is that more of the offensive scheme? Is that more Russell Wilson not wanting to be the running quarterback? It does seem like there's, you know, the let Russ cook movement. He really wanted to be more of a Drew Brees style of quarterback, you know, shotgun drop back 60 times a game and not really much RPO quarterback zone option looks there with the uh, the mesh point. But it definitely complicates it if you don't have the chemistry and the reps there between the quarterback yeah. and the running back. Yeah. All right, that's great. Let's move on. Uh, the the Broncos do they ever use a fullback? Are they most mostly running out eleven personnel, or do they like to use twelve? What do they like to use on offense? A lot of eleven and a lot of twelve. Uh, they will use a fullback sometimes. Andrew Beck's kind of more of that where the t- where the fullback position is going for most teams. Not the the Ravens with your uh, Ricard out there, but uh, mm-hmm. they have the H back kind of guy in Andrew Beck. Uh, so they use him sometimes, but it's mostly an eleven and twelve personnel team. You'll see Greg Dulcich out there. They'll also use a tight end in Eric Saubert, uh, some as well, more of that Y tight end to Greg Dulcich being more of an F and a move piece out there. But it's, I would say, certainly much more of an 11 personnel, 12 personnel team. Okay, definitely 11 personnel. If, you, if you're not really following the Ravens right now, really takes advantage of who the Ravens are in a lot of ways. They, they don't have a good third cornerback. It's been one of the positions where they, first of all, put Kyle Hamilton out there as their slot corner. And they said, we just don't have anybody any better. Yeah. And uh, that worked very well. Okay, and then he got hurt, and yeah. we don't know if he'll be back this week. Probably not would be my guess, and, uh, and they just have not had the success finding that uh, that third cornerback otherwise. Uh, Brandon Stevens is last week very ineffective, but uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. Um, defensive scheme, let's roll it over here. The, the f- first question I always like to ask is, is what sort of scheme are they committed to on obvious passing downs? Because that's really the biggest thing in the NFL, obviously, in terms of leverage. What, what do they do? They like to be a dime team? Are they a committed nickel team because of personnel? What do they do? It's changed so much due to injuries and the trade of Bradley Chubb. Uh, that really changed so much of what they can do run fit wise uh, up front to start the season. They were very much a penny front team uh, coming from the the Rams and Raheem Morris out there. Uh, five guys on the line of scrimmage and just one linebacker. Yeah. So, okay. So, so it's a nickel with one inside linebacker, right? Yep. Exactly. Penny so front. The, okay. That, that term, by that. the way, yeah, no, they, the, the Ravens play at a fair amount, or they used to. They didn't. They haven't really played it this year. But the the point I wanted to make is that 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 I've always been upset by the term penny. There, they should just call it jumbo nickel because it's it's a it's a you know it's really getting an extra defensive lineman in exchange for an inside linebacker. And yeah. and as soon as you start throwing off the coinage, you, you screw the whole system up. It doesn't mean anything anymore. But I've, I've I had heard the team penny, but there is not a set name for that across all NFL teams. That that the Bears call it that. Um, and, and the Ravens have called it that in the, in the past as well. They may still call it that, but if you look at Madden, it's called the three, three, five nickel, I believe. Mm-hmm. If you look at other things that you just call different things, but anyway, enough of that, please, uh, talk a little bit more about what they would do on obvious passing downs then in terms of the, the other teams putting out 11 personnel on a, on a passing down. What are they looking to do? Well, the penny front still, uh, with three interior defensive linemen, the two edge rushers, uh, that all of which are kind of hybrid edges where they are pass rushers for sure, but they like to drop the edges in space a lot and use simulated pressures uh, from there and man coverage, a lot of cover one from a pre-snap two safety uh, 
two safety shell look. Uh, and the reason they can do that is because Patrick Sertan, uh, they can just leave him on an Island a lot. Now, granted last weeks have not been as good. I don't know if some of the Broncos stinkage has started to infect him as well out there, but before these last two weeks, he had been incredible out there and they would essentially play a cover one with a uh, much more focus shifted to the other side of the field opposite of Patrick Sertan. Uh, like I said, a lot of simulated pressures up there. Uh, the edge rushers uh, are equally good in dropping or they are coming forward. Uh, we talked mm-hmm. about it already with Nick Benito. He's kind of a hybrid off ball slash edge rusher. So he can drop into space effectively. Baron Browning is extremely effective in that regard. You'll see him carry running backs vertically up the field. I think a couple weeks ago, a team tried to run a wheel route. And from the edge spot, he carried that running back 20 yards down the field along the sideline from that edge alignment. So he can do that quite well also. And um, they do a lot of twists and stunts up front when they get in those third and long situations. The issue recently has been uh, the Broncos have been struggling on first and second down to stop the run where they can get in those third and long situations. And they're not as exotic uh, with their pressure packages when it's third and three, third and two. All right. Uh, Very good on that. Let's go. Um, in terms of how they run their pass rush scheme wise, um, do they do they rely on deception? They rely a lot on a four or five man rush that they show directly to the offense. What are they doing? It's a lot of simulated pressures. Uh, you'll see the like we talked about. You'll see the uh, you'll even see the defensive lineman uh, drop back into a hook zone some from time to time out there. Like somebody like a Draymond Jones uh, will drop back into space with sending both edge rushers or both edge rushers will flare out, and you'll have two mug linebackers uh, coming up the a gaps. So they do a lot of, I believe they're the highest rate of simulated pressure of any team in the NFL so mm-hmm. far this season under is your So they can be quite exotic there. Again, they don't unveil, unveil that as much if it's not a third and advantageous situation for the Broncos defense. Uh, but they do like to scheme up the blitz a good bit. Uh, the defensive line specifically has fallen off a tad with the Bradley Chubb trade. They don't really have anybody. Bradley Chubb has been awesome for the Dolphins, and he never got enough credit for his run defense. They put a lot on him in terms of the overall discipline and responsibilities of the run defense. They haven't had anybody close to him up front, which has made it harder for them to be you know, the twist and stunt games and also the uh, getting to third and long. But it's mostly on third down, been a cover one team uh, with one of the safeties dropping down into, or one of the safeties you know, handling a running back or a tight end, another safety deep, and then everything rotating away from Patrick Sertan. How about off-ball blitzes? Do you see something coming yes. from the slot safety inside linebacker? So they another injury. Uh, the Broncos had one of the best blitzing slots in football uh, this season in Kawan Williams. He'd probably been their most underrated player coming from the uh, the 49ers this last year. And he, talking about the additions, that's another one I forgot. He's been incredible there. And the way the league is going right now, you're seeing teams kind of get away from the Julian Edelman, Wes Welker types at the slot. And they're the much more bigger bodies. You know, the Drake mm-hmm. London's of the world, Cooper cups, these guys are massive and they can block. So what does that mean? You need your slot, uh, your nickel corner to be a dog. He needs to be physical in the run game to handle the quick passes and the run game. Quan Williams was doing that at an, an awesome level. Uh, he's been injured. He's going to be out in this game, might be out for the season. Uh, so the Broncos have had lost a lot of athleticism, tenacity and run game, uh, discipline going from Kawan Williams to Asang Bassi, who is another undrafted free agent that's playing out there right now. Uh, he can make plays on the ball. He's a pretty instinctual player, but if you run like shallow crossers against him, he just can't keep up. He just does not have the athleticism to do that. And he's not super physical coming downhill. There's not much twitch uh, to his game. So 
that's been a big issue for the Broncos as well. Uh, cornerback wise, another injury loss for the year. Ronald Darby tore his ACL week five. Uh, he's, I think was their fifth highest play rate, uh, fifth highest paid player on the roster. Uh, so he's been out. We talked about Darian Mathis already. He's been really solid out there, honestly, to the point where the Broncos might move on from Darby to save the, I think 12 million and allocate that more to the offensive side of the ball, which needs it. Um, but, uh, they missed Darby and the safeties this season have been a little bit disappointing. Uh, unfortunately we know Justin Simmons is one of the best safeties in football, but he's been dinged up this season. He had a knee injury. He missed, I think six weeks with that. Now he's dealing with a hip injury. That's really bothering him, but he's playing through it and it's impacted his ability in the, uh, the run game specifically coming downhill and closing. He's been, the Broncos defense has been very leaky uh, in the run game. And that's a lot due to the uh, safety play. Okay. I was going to ask you about how do they use Simmons, but it sounds like he's, he's more of a traditional strong safety, rarely used in a, in a, in a too high shell. The Broncos do a lot of, they've been mostly a, cover one cover three or cover six team this season, but they really like to show pre-snap uh, two high safety shells and then rotate one mm-hmm. after the snap. Now, because it is the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, it could be completely different what they do game plan wise. I mean, the Broncos, when they went up against the Titans three weeks ago, they played a lot of five, three front uh, mm-hmm. to slow down Derrick Henry. I think they held Derrick Henry to like 40 yards on 20 carries still lost because the offense is that bad, uh, but uh, they might do something completely different than what they've done this season because Lamar Jackson is such a unicorn at that position, but the safeties essentially they want two safeties that are pretty similar homogenous that can do a lot of different things, uh, whether that be split field free safety or uh, coming down and being more of a Rover role uh, from that deeper alignment. Okay, outstanding. Take us through the defensive line, uh, player by player, to tell us who who they have. And in particular, really interested in those interior defensive line matchups versus the Ravens offensive line. DJ Jones, the Broncos paid him big money uh, to come over from San Francisco this last year, and he has been awesome. Uh, He has been a really good player. I think he missed one game so far this season, but he's been to probably their best addition so far this year. The Broncos were really poor against the run last season, and DJ Jones has changed that a lot. He's a super physical player and gets a lot of displacement at the point of attack in the run game, whether it be the A gap or the B gap. He's not the lengthiest player. You know, he's not out there looking like Jordan Davis or, you know, the kind of Mr. Incredible arms, but he's super stout and very physical at the point of attack. And he can uh, create space for other defensive linemen or linebackers uh, at the point of attack. So he's been awesome. Uh, the Broncos also really love Draymond Jones, a uh, third round draft pick out of the 2019 draft, 85 overall, I believe, uh, coming out of Ohio State. He's he's going to be one of those people this offseason where you're going to see the contract. And you're like, Draymond Jones got how much money? Um, he's been awesome. Uh, I think he has five and a half sacks so far this season, and that's in spite of the Broncos uh, never playing with a lead, hardly ever. You know, they've not really had many advantageous pin your ears back pass rush situations, but he's been awesome. I've been really excited to see him in this defensive front as well. The Broncos, uh, Ejiro Evero does an awesome job of isolating a pass rusher in a one-on-one situation, which is what you want. I mean, we kind of have seen it a bit with uh, coming from the Rams with Aaron Donald. They've been using Draymond Jones in that Aaron Donald mold where they're going to try to do what they can to isolate him in a one-on-one because he is extremely disruptive. I think he was top 10 in the NFL last season in pressures from the interior defensive line. Uh, He's been obviously interior defensive linemen don't get the situations or the stats like an edge rusher does, but one of the better pass rushing interior defensive linemen in the NFL, Uh, they will play nose. I'm guessing you'll see it more often against the Ravens in Mike Purcell 
he's fine. Uh, he's an energy player for this team. He's the one who yelled at Russell Wilson on the sideline in the, the last game. He's he's a kind of an a, you know an at war zero kind of player, just an average uh, nose tackle. And uh, you also will see Deshaun Williams rotated in there as the uh, four eye or five technique opposite there. Do, do they have any nose tackle that is likely to be just way too big and too tough? Uh, is that Jones perhaps for for uh, Linderbaum? Uh, I think you'll see Jones somewhat there, but I'm guessing you're going to see the Broncos use more big personnel, which would be Mike Purcell. He's more of their true classic uh, nose guard type that they'll use in certain situations where Jones will probably be flanked out more to the uh, the four eye spot. Okay. All right. Very good. Take us through the linebackers. Linebackers. I am very much a, and Ravens fans might hate to hear this, uh, but I am very much a anti linebacker truther. I think you want to have good ones there, but I don't believe in investing big money at the linebacker spot personally, especially in today's NFL and the Broncos have not done that. And they've continually put out top five, top 10 defenses. So they invest heavily in the defensive line and the cornerback spot. And it's worked out pretty well for them over the last few seasons. Uh, So the Broncos have former fourth round pick from my alma mater. uh, One of my favorite players actually know some of his family, uh, Josie Jewell out of the university of Iowa. uh, One of the big time tacklers, uh, not a great athlete, but he's never in the wrong position ever uh he's just super instinctual a little bit smaller i have more issues with his size than i do his athleticism uh but he is always in the right spot if you isolate him in space versus a you know brandon Ayuk or debo samuel yeah like he's gonna have some issues out wide but uh, he's a very good player and then the other linebacker they had a really interesting young athletic player named jonas griffith uh that came from indiana state but he's out for the season as well with an injury so they've been playing alex singleton there who was a special teams dynamo and a really high tackle volume player for the Eagles. He provides a lot of energy. He's a little bit more reckless than Josie Jewell. You'll catch him out of position sometimes. A lot of times if there is an issue with the linebacker core in terms of discipline, it's coming from Alex Singleton. But they're overall a very solid unit and probably one of the units that's outperforming considering the Broncos are not paying that much resource-wise for the position. And and those guys are they platoon players at all? And this is I, I don't know if you've got an extra five minutes for us, Nick, yeah, but I, yeah, I I'd re- really love to talk about this because I'm a big platoon at linebacker, and and you solve a lot of problems. Trying to find three down unicorns is very expensive in terms of draft capital. Yeah. Okay. And obviously yep. the Ravens tried to do that with Patrick Queen, but if you look at the inside linebacker pricing in terms of draft capital, it's off the charts. Now yep. you know the, the the guys who are getting taken early, like the, the two Devons, White and Bush. And and how they're not really coming to the end of their you know, their their first contracts. White's I think already been resigned, but they're not you know they're not universally thought to be all that great is the other problem. Um, but 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 if you have if if you decide to go with platoon players, gives you the option to get your inside linebackers off the field. You put the green dot at safety, and that mm-hmm. gives you and so you you might not have thought you'd be talking with a guy who'd, who'd be positive on, on linebacker platooning, but I'm very positive on it. Uh, the Ravens are very successful when they did it. I think you can pay one inside linebacker. I don't see how you can pay two in today's NFL. Yeah, I'm, I think that you pay them cheap. Uh, you limit what their influences and you have your sideline, like people are like, oh, we need a sideline to sideline linebacker. No, I need my linebacker to make the tackles, not be leaky in the box, mm-hmm. play the hook zone, make the tackles that come in the area. And my uh, sideline to sideline is going to come from my edge setting defenders that are going to do a great job of not letting those running backs get out wide or my safeties and cornerbacks who are need to be good tacklers. If you're asking your linebackers to play sideline to sideline or play in space against wide receivers, you're already cooked. There's only Luke Keekley is like the only guy that's been able to do it consistently over the last decade. Those guys just don't exist. And you talk about linebackers drafted in the first round. I don't think there's been a position that has busted as hard as a first round pick 
as the linebacker spot over the last decade. I mean, you mentioned some of them, but we can even go further down the line. I mean, Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons, mm-hmm. Zayvon Collins. I mean, there's the only one that I can think of that has hit recently is Micah Parsons. And the reason Micah Parsons hit is not because of his off ball linebacker ability. Rush. It's the pass rush. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I am linebackers are valuable, but not in terms of a first round investment. And I think the reason that is, is because it's such a, it's not a physical tools position as much as it is a instincts and processing yes. position, which is so much harder to evaluate. It's another reason that, you know, you see a lot of the best linebackers in the NFL are day two picks. A lot of the best safeties in the NFL are day two picks. You don't have to use a first round pick to identify that guy. Yeah. It's, it, the guys who play faster than their, than their 40 time, as, as yep. I always say it, are, are the guys who are really special. Nick, really appreciate having you on for this topic alone. I mean, just getting into these side conversations, I love, but I'll tell you what, you're, you're answering the most important question for a general manager, which is, where do I not spend? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you listen to the voices on Twitter. Everybody wants to spend at every position. And they particularly yeah. want to spend three quarters of your total cap space on wide receiver. If, mm-hmm. if, if you're the Ravens fan, that's all, that's all we hear. You know, they, 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 we've already got the quarterback. Okay. Now spend, get him the weapons he needs. I don't care what the cost, put it on the credit card. You hear all these terms used because people don't really understand the cap. Um, people are not season ticket holders is one of my beefs is that if you're a season ticket holder, you don't want to play the cap roller coaster, the the way the Rams played it and they, they won a Super Bowl and now they're terrible and they're going to be terrible for a while. You know, th- that's not the, that's not the game I want played with my season tickets. I, 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 want, I want you to damn, field a good team. Damn it, and do it year after year. And, and you know, you get to a certain exhaustion level covering a bad team that I'm sure you felt some of oh, this God. year. You mean so tell me about it. Years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to, 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 you know, stay with it with the same kind of effort level sometimes when the, when the team is down. Last year, very difficult year for, for Ravens analysts, but I appreciate you taking a little bit of extra time with us, uh, Nick. Uh, but but that's a that's a great point you're making. So take us through the secondary now. You mentioned Patrick Sertan. Uh, start with him. I mean, he's phenomenal. Uh, I think the main thing and my biggest issue with him coming out of the draft, I really wanted a quarterback in that 2021 draft. I wanted Justin Fields, full disclosure. But Patrick mm-hmm. Sertan has been incredible. I think the area where teams are starting to try to take advantage of him is longer developing routes with pure speed. He is sometimes not keeping up with guys. Now he's a glider. He's always smooth. He's got incredible, incredible technique uh, for a 22 year old player, probably thanks to his dad being mm-hmm. a longtime NFL cornerback as well. But those long time uh, routes, whether they be long crossers or uh, sluggos or anything like that, if you have some speed, they can get away from him. He's a you know four four guy, not a four two guy. So that's uh, something that you've seen from him as well. Especially if the Broncos are not being as aggressive with their coverage up front, he's got flawless press technique but off coverage sometimes he doesn't have the burst that you see from the the guys who are better than him in the nfl in that regard so he uh, but still probably one of the top three cornerbacks in football right now even though he's on a little bit of a uh, a downer right now uh saying bassey has been mostly playing the slot he's a the broncos brought him up off the practice squad but he's a borderline rosterable kind of guy uh, if you can attack him whether it be the run or the pass you do it number 34 he's He's a weakness out there. Uh, Demari Mathis has been very good. Um, he's again, doesn't always trust his technique. He can be a little bit grabby. He's prone to some mistakes out there, but he's always in position. He just needs to learn to trust his technique. I think it's going to come with him. I think the Broncos are going to be able to go young and cheap at the cornerback spot next season to create some cap space, to further allocate money into the offensive side of the ball, to hopefully salvage something uh, with Russell Wilson at quarterback, the safety position, Justin Simmons been playing hurt this year. He's not been playing at an all pro level, uh, but 
He's been having some issues with uh, tackling specifically coming downhill, not as aggressive, not as good at breaking down. If you get past him, sometimes I think he's going to be a little bit flat footed uh, coming down and uh, playing that D gap. And Kareem Jackson is the other starting safety. He's certainly lost a step. Uh, He was a former first round pick out of Alabama to the Houston Texans, played cornerback for a number of years, really a physical player. Like if you, if Lamar Jackson leaves a ball floating at all, Kareem Jackson will take out whatever player is there. He will murder you know a a crosser if it's a bad throw so you want to watch out for him but uh he's lost two steps uh, which is unfortunate because he's definitely a tone setter for the defense i think that if the broncos didn't end up losing caden stearns another player who got hurt a fifth round draft pick out of texas he was playing a really good football and then he had a hip injury and is out probably for the year as well if uh, he hadn't gotten hurt you probably would have seen kareem jackson been replaced by now given his level of play but um broncos aren't there because of the injuries all right. Uh, outstanding stuff. Uh, just a terrific rundown on the personnel here. Uh, anything specific that they, you think the Broncos will do differently to defend Jackson, Andrews, the Ravens run game? Particularly one thing we've seen is a kind of a dichotomy between teams who who will blitz Jackson, uh, particularly sending an extra, sending the spy quickly as soon as there's any hint of the pocket being broken is, is the big thing we've seen recently with some of these athletic inside linebackers. It could be that this would be a job for Simmons in this game, yeah. that, that he'd be a guy they, they'd send. You see any differences in terms of how, how Denver plays football uh, to try and contain Jackson? I think they will blitz, but I don't think it's going to be a send a guy late. I don't think they have the athleticism to close space at the second level of the defense to get that done in that sense. It can't be kind of a QB spy. And then once he breaks contain, chase him down. Uh, I think that's a, that's a waste of a player because you don't have somebody who can pursue with that kind of speed, unfortunately. So it's probably going to be more of a, uh, a lot of five man pass rushes with single gaps out there and having to run through those gaps while still being uh, disciplined in your lane. You cannot get blown up there. I'm guessing it's going to be more of a, a lot of onus on the defensive line to get it done and allocating resources more so to the box with box with playing more cover three, cover one on the back end. Uh, because right now, I mean, Deshaun Jackson's probably the best receiver out there. I think you probably tr- trust mm-hmm. whatever cornerback you have to slow that down. And then uh, Ricard as well. I mean, this, this Ravens team doesn't have a lot of answers right now in the past game. So I think it's going to be more of those run blitzes, not so much the QB spy and then hunt him after he breaks contain. All right. Very good. Uh, any one player, we don't really do score predictions here, but any one player, maybe on each side of the ball, you think matches up well against the Ravens. One player matches up well against the Ravens. I think DJ Jones is going to have to have a big game. Uh, Ravens have somewhat struggle in the interior defensive line. I love Linderbaum in the run game, don't, uh, but some of the issues there, I think DJ Jones and Draymond Jones, both are going to have to have big games. Those interior guys are big on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, man, it's, it's so hard on the <laughs> offense. Uh, I think that the big one is going to have to be if if either KJ Hamler or Jerry Judy do play this week, it'll probably have to be them. They're going to have to figure out how to get the, the the pass game going and get some explosives there. If the Ravens try to go man coverage, it'll be Jerry Judy or it's the KJ Hamler big bomb over the top because he's got crazy speed when he's out there. I'm not sure if that hamstring injury will limit uh, his ability to get vertical in this game, but when he's out there, he's one of the honestly probably one of the top 15 fastest players at receiver in the NFL. Probably a very good bet, either one of those. Zay Jones just had the game of his life in this last week for the Jaguars, so definitely a possibility that some wide receiver emerges, unfortunately. Absolutely fantastic stuff, Nick. This is one of the best rundowns we've gotten this year in terms of of players. We have very knowledgeable, technical guys on, but you're right there at the top of this, this list. Really appreciate you coming on. Tell folks again one more time where they can find your work. 
Yeah, guys, you can find me on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH. That's K E N D. E-L-L. Uh, I work for Mile High Huddle over at Affiliate Sports Illustrated. Been there for seven years now. Uh, as soon as the Broncos won the Super Bowl and went on this horrible tear, that's when I joined. So I haven't <laughs> covered a, a good team yet, but uh, one day, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, um, you can also find me. I'm on, I do an unbelievable amount of live streams and uh, podcasts uh, covering the Broncos. I'm live on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning, and Tuesday, Wednesday evening over on my huddle. I also cover the Atlanta Falcons uh, with a friend of mine, Scott Kennedy, used to work at NFL Network for a number of years. Uh, and we do those on Mondays and Wednesday mornings as well. And um, also writing at my huddle as well, covering the Broncos with a very draft centric focus. All right. Outstanding stuff. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. Also asking folks, Find that one guy who's over 60 years old or maybe over 55, doesn't really know how to use podcasts. Show him how to go to filmstudybaltimore.com, play the uh, the podcast directly off the website. Want to get some word of mouth out there. Those people are very hard to reach, by the way. Often mm-hmm. don't have Twitter accounts. Please help them out, your your dad, your granddad maybe in some cases, to, to help find this, uh, this podcast. Uh, Nick, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Hopefully we have a good game, and for the love of God, no more injuries. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.